come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Donna. And I'm your polter guide, Matt. And this week, we watched the brand new release, the 2022 film, The Black Phone. So I guess I know none of us had seen it before. So let's just let's jump right in. Did you like it? Did you not like it? I um, I didn't dislike it. Um, I wasn't unhappy. I watched it. I got to tell you, though, there, there was a weird deja vu thing going on in there. I don't know if maybe I had read the short story or something. But there was something very familiar about that story to me. Almost as soon as the phone started ringing, I was like, hang on, I know this story. So um, I think maybe I have read the story. I don't know. But uh, I mean, I wasn't unhappy. I watched it. I didn't find it that scary. Um, So I I was kind of neutral on it. I don't want my money back, but I wasn't overcome with joy at it either i i would tend to agree uh i i think i i'm left with a lot of questions and i even sat down to write a review for my site on it after i watched it and i still don't know how i feel about it 100 percent. like don't dislike it i'm kind of waiting for the, the podcast recording maybe i'll have a better sense of how i feel about it there feel like there are a couple of plot holes in there that i i can't quite uh sign on to 100 percent but Ethan Hawke is good in it. Uh, the kids are mostly good in it. I think Gwen is intermittently very good and very kid actor. Um, <laughs> but on the whole, yeah, it wasn't bad. But I think Donna hit it on the head. It it was not nearly as scary as I was hoping it would be. I I, I had a great time with this. Like I, I do agree. It 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 was creepy, not scary. And I that I think that is a distinct. Yeah. Now I say that and the shot, the first time you see the ghost, I jumped. And I mean, like, I was like, oh shit. Like, you know, just even though I'm from trailers, I knew you would eventually see them, but it got me and I'm okay with that. But yeah, no, uh, it's creepy and I liked it. I had a good time. I've read the short story, but it's been 10 plus years. So there were bits that I remembered and bits that I'm like, I just don't remember um, but I'm also, Joe Hill is another one that I'm going to get, I always give his stuff a chance. Uh, I've, you know, I became a fan with Lock and Key and after that I've, you know, I read Heart Shaped Box and then this. So he, he always, I give him a shot, give him a chance. Cause it's, I usually will have a good time with it. I meant to say one thing I, I did absolutely love is this story felt like it was 100% a tribute to his father. Stephen King was all over the story. Um, and I did enjoy that. Like you could, if I did not know that this was a Joe Hill story, I would have thought this was a Stephen King story that I'd never read. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that definitely. And it's, it's fairly early in his career, this short story. I want to say it was originally published, I think 99 2099 something in that area so yeah it's it's definitely you feel that but yeah I I liked it I I had a I had a good time with it and so I so I guess let's just let's start jumping in so we've kind of already talked about it Joe Hill is Stephen King's son and that being one of his short stories um I mean we start with the time frame Stephen King likes to set a lot of stuff in that late 70s early 80s we go on to the kids Stephen King loves to set to to have his main characters be early teens you know he likes kids um he enjoys the horror being sorry yes, I, I apologize for that phrasing I I realized almost as soon as I said it that was unfortunate phrasing and kids is 12 <laughs> it's fine <laughs> so uh Stephen King enjoys that uh, there's no saving that. No, um, it's fine, Donna. He it's enjoys okay. story. He enjoys stories about childhood. Thank there, you. There you go. That was much better than what I said. Um, the uh, horror of 
other children, um, a lot of times, you know, the bad guys are the bullies and the teachers and the parents, you know, so that's, that's themes that Stephen King uses a lot. And then of course, um, you know, abusive adults are quite often, um, themes in his stories like I, I the library police pops into my head immediately as a uh, as a story uh, by stephen king which if you don't know check it out um, uh it's well it's horrifying um but it's a it's a story about a kid who gets abused by an authority figure um it's um you know so yeah this story reads this story could have been written by stephen king and even to the um the scene when Gwen is looking for her brother in the rain and she's wearing a yellow raincoat with red boots. That was Gordy. You guys, that was Gordy. That was, that was the little kid from it. That was the fact they even went so far as to take a long shot from behind just to make sure you got it. So, and I got it. I did not. I did not. I'm sorry. But now that Donna says, I'm like, Oh yeah. So this, this was very much um, a tribute to Stephen King, as far as I was concerned, on top of being, I mean, it was a good story. I, I don't mean to say it wasn't a good story. It just wasn't a, it, it wasn't, it wasn't great. It was good. It just wasn't great. IMO. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was a, a King tribute all the way to Finn sh- trying to Shawshank his way out of the basement. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's another one. Yeah. There's another one. Um, but. I uh, feel like I would have been much happier had this movie focused a little more on Gwen because I was a lot more interested in Gwen, really. That, and I think if the father hadn't gotten off light at the end. Yeah, pretty early in the movie, I was like, oh, he better die. No, and he just, he says he's sorry and that's all there is. I'm like, if you yelled at them, that's a sorry. If you were beating them mercilessly, that's a let's get them out of the house. Yeah, exactly. Um, if he had just been neglectful, I, I probably would have accepted the, oh, I'm so sorry. If he had been neglectful and I got to see him throwing away his alcohol bottles, I would have been like, okay. But no, he just runs up and says, I'm sorry. No, that's not good enough. That that ties into the importance of apologies with positive action to amend, which some people can't get their head around. I will say that surprised me with this movie, with how hard they go at the kids. Like that from the bully fight to the dad. Like I was like, okay, he's a bad drunk, but he's neglectful. Like I went that and then mm-hmm. when Finn wakes up, I'm like, oh, shit shit like i am i was i was not expecting that because you know other than it most of the time kids are it's it seems safe like they're like okay that you don't really see things happening to them but you know it's just it's it's background it's like oh Mm. so yeah that that caught me off guard so there was a moment i'm curious what you all thought this moment was supposed to convey so the bullies catch finn and they they are taking some shots on him and here comes gwen who is my hero um i want to be gwen gwen grabs a rock about the size of her own head and she just wallops one of the bullies with this rock and takes him right out of the fight um and then there's a few minutes of the bullies going oh we don't hit a girl and then one of them kicks gwen in the head and she's taken out of the fight and she ends up crawling over to sit right next to the bully that she took out of the fight. And there's a moment and it's a long enough moment. I mean, they devote enough screen time to it that it looks significant when the two of them just turn and look at each other and he's got blood pouring down the side of his face and she's just breathing hard. And I really just kind of, what was that supposed to convey the two of them looking at each other like that? Okay. Well, one, I thought that she was seeing a ghost. I like, I did, it didn't register with me that that's one of the bullies. So I thought it was just seeing her abilities. Like, oh, she's seen one of the boys that had been abducted. So, um, yeah. (laughs) I I am aware of the moment. I don't have an answer for you. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, I think Kenzie's answer is is good, but the movie doesn't sell sell that. Sure, certainly didn't sell me on that idea in the moment. Um, but I think my reaction to it at the moment was he's bleeding a lot from the head. She might have killed him. <laughs> All right. Just for me, I mean, frames are money. You know, every frame that they spend on something is money. And uh, especially in a film this short. So the fact that they spent that many frames on that moment was like, that means something. And I didn't get what it meant. So that's why I, think, I asked. I'm with you, Donna. I think my, I think my, my thought just, cause I remember the scene, but, and then talking about it here, I think my thought is just game recognizes game. Like they're not going to mess with, he's not going to mess with her anymore because mm-hmm. of what she did to him. Like it was more an acknowledgement of like, okay, that's fair. Like, okay. All right. Cause I mean, that's kind of, with certain bullies that's kind of the thing it's like when you do basically what robin had uh, kept telling finn to do stand up for yourself and i mean yeah and that's okay. yeah that's just once again as someone who thought it was an, a ghost she was seeing <laughs> fair yeah. okay but no i am like you though donna with gwen that uh yeah i kind of want to be her when i grow up just uh-huh. some of the because she does have some of the best lines in this this film like uh you dumb fucking fart knockers like i'm sorry but fart knockers is a funny word anyway so mm-hmm. the, that one just killed me did, did fart knockers as a term exist before beavis and butthead because i just watched the new beavis and butthead movie and i'm like yeah that was a real thing with them the knocking of the farts <laughs> so there is a thing you can google and it will tell you what a term came into use but i don't remember what that thing is let's find out keep I talking know, i'm gonna i know grammar i'm gonna girl, research fart knocking i know grammar girl uses it a lot so um <laughs> yeah so um i remember when i back when i was still studying theater which was many years ago um uh, there was a concept that one of my professors used to like to uh mentioned which was the concept of an important character that you never see um in the case of the play we were discussing at that time it was um these sisters father who had died before the play started um and in the case of this film it's finn and gwen's mom who died before the movie started and uh, she was clearly a very influential character who we never see uh, strongly implied that it's why the father was an abusive asshole alcoholic um, and strongly implied it's why Gwen um, has um, the shining voyant yeah the shining <laughs> and why as we'll discuss later I think Finn also does as well um, so um, I think it's interesting that a character as important as their mother, we we never meet at all and is only discussed real briefly. I do like, speaking of Finn, I do like with this film, everything we need to know about Finn, we see very quickly that he is, you know, very shy, very quiet, and just, you know, not trying to rock the boat, just, just, you know surviving for lack of a better word mm-hmm. but apparently good at baseball like that i like mm-hmm. i like that and you had mentioned you know talking about the setting of this you know with stuff that stephen king likes to do and i like and i think stephen denver king, yeah denver that's another stephen king favorite setting yeah sorry but to you, interrupt go ahead oh that's okay but you also i like that king and even even his, even Hill, his son, basically is letting people know childhood is not safe. Like all of these candy colored memories that you have about childhood, it's, it's very dangerous. Like I like that both of them don't pull punches with that. And also it, I also like with this film and also other films, not just this one, that because it's set in the seventies, you're not, you don't have the technology crutch crutch. Um, 
Or the helicopter parent craze. Yeah, yeah, you don't have any of that. And even, uh, and and Rob Zombie even talks about that with what a lot of his settings are, is just not using technology. Like having that, uh, yes, mainly I'm thinking of his uh, House of a Thousand Corpses trilogy, but he, you know, he he finds ways around that, either with setting or whatever. But I like I like that. I think that kind of you have to get creative. Now, I do wonder and I had this thought watching it and maybe either one of you did as well. Would they have done uh, that big of a manhunt since this is 78? This is pre Adam Walsh. Would it have been that big right. of a deal? Like that was my only like, I don't even want to say quibble, but. After like the third kid disappears in a small space, I would think that town would be going out of its mind. Now, they might be looking for Russians or something. They might be completely off on the wrong track, but they are they are taking the disappearance and likely murder of their children surprisingly well. Well, but since they hadn't found a body, so maybe they're just they ran away. You know what I mean? Like this is. 78 but that no- many in a small space that's the thing i'm yeah. yeah it was a small enough span of time that the posters were still up for bruce when benny and finn went missing so it was a pretty yeah. short span of time uh mac do you have a report on fart knuckers for us the internet yes uh max fart knocker corner um uh, the internet is conflicted about where it comes from, but is uniformly the earliest reference back to it would in fact be uh, Mr. Butthead. So uh, uh, if we're taking Gwen as a as a real entity in the world, uh, Gwen in, invented it first and Butthead stole it. I, I, I can believe that because Gwen is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So there, Gwen is the inventor of fart knockers. <laughs> Indeed. So Gwen... You have a uh, you have a, a case. You have a case against Mr. Bucket. Gwen, mm-hmm. go get him. Oh, um, so let's get into Ethan Hawke. Let's talk about the grabber. Before, before we do that, did we do our IMDb synopsis? Oh, oh. no, we did not. Because we just I jumped in. I was we ready to talk about in. this. Okay, so because I had an interop, uh, what I call the interopsis ready. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I was I was super ready to talk about this film that I completely yeah. So a little out of place here, everybody. Getting all out of order. All cattywampus. I know. Just all crazy pants. All right. After being abducted. So once again, IMDb, Max Nemesis. After being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving phone calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. Yeah, but... Uh, really, it's the series finale of the Property Brothers is exactly what we thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's good, Mag. I was pretty proud of that. You moved right past. I was like, wait, I've got, I've got yucks. Let's do it. <laughs> What's funny is I had a moment where I'm like, Am I missing something? I feel like I'm missing something. Am I missing something? I was like, nope, let's just <laughs> let's just go on. And I was. So thank you, Mac. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Um, so Ethan Hawke and the Grabber. Let's uh let's let's talk about that. I love that 2022 has decided Ethan Hawke is a villain, and I'm here for it. Between this and Moon Knight, I am here, I'm here for it. It's I was I was actually thinking. As um, as I was watching this, that there's an interesting phenomenon that as conventionally attractive men get older, there's something about them transitioning into bad guy. And I don't know what that is because they are still conventionally attractive. They're just older. And I don't know why that suddenly means they become bad guys. Um, but that seems to be a phenomenon that I've noticed. And I don't know if it's because they are wanting to expand their acting portfolio. I don't know if it's a choice they're making. I, I don't know what it is, but I, it's something I've noticed happens that um, these former 
leading men are expanding into these villain roles. But uh, it is a phenomenon I've noticed happened. But he pulls it off. He's he's creepy AF. He's he's he was the scariest thing. Well, he was. That, that's a silly thing to say. The bad guy in the scary movie was the scariest <laughs> thing in the scary movie. So yeah. So so good job, Scott Derrickson. <laughs> <laughs> I just like this film and Moon Knight validate 1994 me. Because I thought he was awful in reality bites. Like, I didn't understand. I'm like, no, why? I'm not saying Ben Stiller's great either. Like, neither. Like, but come on, him, him, him. So the fact that those two things validate 1994 me makes me very happy. (laughs) For anyone in their early 20s listening, you might be wondering, this person or this person? And the answer is neither. Yes. I don't care what's going on. If you're under the age of 25, the answer's neither. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the film Reality Bites. And still, the answer is neither. Also, your life. Like, it, let's set Reality Bites aside. Let's set Ethan Hawke aside. I, I'm, I'm worried about you. Uncle Max worried about you. And the answer is neither. Um, I always admire um, somebody who can convey um, emotion when they're wearing a mask, like like uh, Pedro Pascal in Mandalorian, who's wearing a full mask. He doesn't even have benefit of eyes and still managed to convey um, a lot of emotion just through his physicality. Um, Ethan Hawke at least had the benefit of his eyes. Um, and still managed well, to convey um, a lot of emotion. Yeah. Um, I was quite impressed with that. Um, he did a good job. So he had his voice and he had his physicality and he had his eyes and managed to be super creepy. And it also helped like in different scenes, there were different sections of the mask. Like mm-hmm. it, it, that I thought was a very interesting construction for a horror Mask, because I mean, we have mm-hmm. Michael Myers, we have uh, uh, Ghostface, we got all those that completely cover and obscure the face. Yeah, and, and like his business casual mask and his yeah. formal mask and his casual right. mask, you know. So, and you know, when he had the portion that was just covering his nose and mouth, I'm like, good. I mean, we could say a lot about the grabber that's negative, but he, he's he's wearing the mask properly, and I don't think there's going to be an outbreak on that set. <laughs> He was concerned. He was concerned. He understands the nose is connected to the lungs and, you know, he's observing good, good safety. It's a confined, poorly ventilated space. So you're already running again behind the curve there. And he is trying to mitigate the risks for his guests. Yeah, he cares. He cares. He does. Uh, I don't know if either of you knew this, but the mask is designed by Tom Savini. Okay. Door Tom Savini. Yeah. And I counted, even counting when it's just his face when he's grabbing, I counted seven forms of that mask. Mm-hmm. Which I can like, think of three off the top of my head, but I wasn't counting closely. So yeah. There's a form that has no mouth at all. Then there's a form that has a frown. There's a form that has a smile. And then there's various forms on top. Yeah. One, the, the horns, and then a lot of it is the, like, if you're going to see, like, the mouth is going to be uncovered or not. Like, there's a couple with that. Like, I, the mask also works. Like, I think it just, it enhanced his performance. Like, I think he could have mm-hmm. easily, if it was just the makeup when he abducted Finn, it would have worked fine, too. But I think the mask also helped it. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad to hear Tom Savini was involved. When Finn gets the mask off and you see like the the panic and and horror in the grabber's face, that's also very effective too. It reminded me of something. It was a weird, but still uh, significant. Uh, if you've seen Tu Wong Fu with Love, Julie Newmar, there's a lot of words in that title. I may have left one or two out, but a fantastic movie and. Uh, Patrick Swayze does a fantastic role. Wesley Snipes and John Leguizamo are playing more comedic characters, but Patrick Swayze is playing a much more dramatic character, and he is living 
that life. Like, like they, like the other two characters are much more drag queens, and Patrick Swayze seems like his drag persona is who he he really is. I perhaps should be saying she. And there's a scene, it maybe the last third of the movie, where she snags her wig on something and the wig comes off and the pure horror on her face. I mean, she's horrified that the wig has come off and is revealing the more masculine hair underneath. And I was actually reminded of that moment when the mask came off of the grabber, like, like the, like the real face was revealed and the grabber couldn't stand it. Um, it's a it's a weird connection to have made, but I made that connection. Um, and I thought Ethan Hawke acted that moment beautifully. Can we talk for a minute about the the completely lost joy of just watching whatever movies on TV that night? Yeah, because there's yeah. that scene when he's he's got the ice cream and it's just whatever's on and he's going to take that movie in for himself and I'm and I I spend sixty to seventy percent of my time mourning lost methods of movie consumption and I hadn't really even dwelled on that the 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 Friday night the school week is over and something new is going to come at me and I don't know what it is but it's going to affect me and it's pure the pure chaos of that and, and i thought that was such a nice moment that i i felt connected to finn in, in that way because i mean i think i'm in that last generation that could have had any hope of having that experience because get, a few years later vhs and betamax comes out and the the randomness of the movie experience starts to go away i have a bad ankle that i have had since i was a teenager because I don't even remember which band it was. It was some band that I was mad about and I had to go to the bathroom and they were coming on after the commercial break. So I ran to the bathroom and my brother screamed, they're on, they're on. And I ran back and took a bad step on the steps to come into our living room and just rolled my ankle. And instead of getting to see my band, I ended up rolling around on the floor in pain um, because there was no way to pause. There was no way to pause the TV. And um, yeah, yeah, so similar, and an experience that people don't have now because everyone no. can pause their TV. Everyone or just call up the band. Just be like, hey, band, show me band. <laughs> uh, yeah, these kids today with the hair and the clothes, they don't understand what, what, what the struggle was. These Gen Zs or whatever. Meh. They don't, they don't know what it was like with their center parts and their their jeans and <laughs> their music it? television. <laughs> God met music to be on TV. He would have given it an image. I don't know. I, I've lost the thread here. Someone say something else. <laughs> I keep I keep reading about how millennials and Gen Zs argue about center parts over side parts. And I'm like, are you really? This is a thing we argue about? Why? Why? Well, because anything is arguable. And that's why we're never going to fix anything, because we've we're busy arguing over whether the dress is blue or gray. Just part your hair where you want it. That's it. Just just. Where are the jeans you oh. want to wear? Oh my god! Oh my god! But Donna, one of one of those hair parts supports terrorism. I'm not going to tell you which one, but one of them definitely does. <laughs> I mean, if you want to wear low rise jeans, where's low rise jeans? For God's sake! Is it the middle one? Because I see all of us have side parts. Is it the middle one? I I used to have a middle part, and I was uh, a radicalized terrorist at that time. So yeah. <laughs> I have legit been trying to go back to a center part because I get really cool rock and roll bangs when I wear a center part. The world needs to know this. If I wear a center part, I get cool rock and roll bangs, but I wore a side part for so very long that my hair is just like, fuck you, no, and goes back to a side part if I let it. So, I, I, During the years of my center part, I, in fr- frustration, I have a little bit of, uh, what's the, where you pull hair, trip to, uh, uh, trip to 
could yeah i know what you mean i can't yeah. say it yes yeah, a very i can't i can't remember the specific phonics of it but yeah uh i've slight that and at one point in 14 i pulled out a huge chunk of hair right at the center so the center part could never hold again because it was always just so i'm combing over something but the rest of the hairline maintained so am i really okay also i i i i stopped supporting al-qaeda <laughs> <laughs> all right um the black phone is what we we're yeah, talking about black phone <laughs> No, I also think, though, a little bit with the VH, you mentioned VHS and Betamax. I do think there's also, there with being of that generation, there is that also inherent danger of the unknown. Like, you're just seeing boxes in front of you. And oh, yeah, so you still have that, not as what, not what we were seeing in the Black Phone of just whatever's on, but there's still that, like, danger the unknown of like what am i going to pick is it going to be good because this is this is my one rental for the weekend so i better if it sucks great right i'm i'm out of buck and and a dollar in 80s kid time was that was a lot that that was a that was a week's budget yeah yeah but Mm i yeah but you are right though with the streaming thing like him talking about oh well maybe someday i'll get to see enter the dragon where i'm thinking today i'll just i'll download it it's gonna be yeah yeah. So yeah. So I, I get what. Yeah, I forgot about that that line too. Yeah, that 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 yearning to see some movie that's just out of reach. Nothing is out of reach anymore, and mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I need to put things further out of my reach to enjoy them more. All right. What else do we have about the black phone? Um, I wish I had written more things down. Well, I didn't. Just I kind of got into it. Like, I mean, yeah. it was just one of those. It it sucked me in. So my notes are kind of sporadic but yeah it it sucked me in and and had my attention i think some of our other stuff is going to be in-game stuff i want to talk about um once again bloom house and its casual diversity which is a thing they do excellently and i think it kind of stuck out a little bit because it was 1978 but i did have the thought you know what asian kids and hispanic kids existed in 1978 and just because we didn't see them in films in 1978 didn't mean they didn't exist in 1978 so Bloomhouse, you, you did a good job and i appreciate that um i so once again you go Bloomhouse because you know what bruce yamamoto would have existed in 1978 yep and he would have played baseball mm-hmm. so so they did um, a good job Two additional thoughts I had, and I've forgotten one of them. So I'll so focus on the other one. Um, yeah, uh, maybe cutting the guy was no good, but that was a significant pinball party foul, especially for a game that was shaping up to be a, a record game. Like I, 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 it was almost the same impulse I had in The Shining, where Jack turns around on Wendy after reading the thing he's not ready to like, like. Yes, he's overreacting, but I understand the 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 violation underneath it all. Like he has a specific grievance, and <laughs> I would be upset as well. Now, my upset would take the form of a cease and desist letter. That's just my speed, but uh, Not- I had terrific sympathy for Pinball Kid. <laughs> okay, actually, let's let's go ahead and talk about that because. In our in our pre-recording conversation, there was a little bit of a misunderstanding in Gwen's mm-hmm. vision of what was his name? Was it Vincent? Lance, I thought. Lance. Yeah. Lance, Lance. I think it's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh there was some there was a little bit of misunderstanding because Gwen had had some really vivid, real dreams. And then she had this vision of Lance, which just could not have been real. Okay. And in reality, there's no reason that Lance would have carved the address of that house on the guy's arm. There's just, there's no reason why he would have. So um, I think the vision she had of Lance was absolutely not what happened to Lance. I think the vision she had of Lance was purely um, Lance or some, or Jesus, you know, or Jesus telling her what what she needed to know it was it was kind of the last hurrah of here's what you need to know uh, i do not believe yeah. it was it was in any form 
what really happened to Lance. Yeah, no, I think Lance, his his vision was to get the boys' bodies found. I don't think they would have found them. And I think that was where they would get peace. Like, I think that is why, because the vision that she, she sees is, is Lance, which is, a, you know, looking at the house across the street where they actually, you know, where the boys are. Like, and I think that is just to bring them peace. Like they had already, I mean, as, as Robin tells Finn, we've given you all the tools that you need to survive this. And I love that, that, that the Chekhov's gun (laughs) of all of that paying off. And this was just the final puzzle was just Mm -hmm. where the boys would get peace. Yep. Yeah. I I agree that I, I I was discombobulated by that in, in watching the movie. I'm like, and it wasn't necessarily the carving of it, but now that you say the carving of it clearly indicates that this was more of a, abstract vision as opposed to a recording of what actually happened uh because i just didn't understand why vance just went to the grabber's house yeah yeah it didn't make any it didn't make any sense to me and and then the uh, other thought about those visions is like derrickson makes the choice of you know all of the the concrete narrative scenes are shot much as a movie, any other movie in 2022 would be shot with digital stock. And it, it it has that sort of modern cinematography to it. And all the visions feel like they were shot on Super 8 or something. And I almost wish he had shot, it had been reversed. Like the, the movie was shot on film stock and it looked like it was shot in 1978. And then her visions were these starkly clear digital photography. And that would have been even more eerie. And then the other thought I have in that convenience shot where where Vance is pinballing it up, there are an awful lot of Starlog magazines on the rack, like to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm in. I, I'd, I'd read all of them. But how many issues of this of this of, of Starlog is this place selling? They are actually what kept Starlog going in the Denver market. Yeah, <laughs> <Was> that gas station. <laughs> awesome. I want to say one quick thing, and I I have meant to mention this in several different episodes, but the name Donna is actually dying out. It is a dying name. No one is naming their kids Donna anymore. It is a name that will soon die out. However, it keeps showing up in fiction. You keep seeing it in fiction. Um, Yeah. And it's just something that interests me. It is a very popular name in fiction, but it is literally dying out in real life. And it's just something that interests me. So there was a Donna in um, this movie, uh, the girl that liked Finn. And you see Donna showing up um, in a lot of, um, you know, there's a Donna in Doctor Who. Uh, She's a very popular character in Doctor Who. There was a Donna in that 70s show. There's a Donna in... uh, well, it's out of the West, it's out now, but suits. There was a Donna in suits. The West so, Wing. Yeah. The West yeah. Wing. Yeah. And usually it's a very popular character, but somehow the name is dying out. So just thought I'd mention it. It's an interesting thing to me as somebody named Donna. Yeah. As a Donna American, you are uh, <laughs> concerned about the dying out of the Donnas. I am. And I'm actually one of the later Donnas because the name was actually popular about a decade before I was born. So um, I'm actually one of the later people named Donna. So I will be one of the last, one of the last. Donna. I feel like that's the name of a short story. One the of last the last Donna. The last Donna. Like, I feel like that is... <laughs> Like is it can- not even still a, a name and like, cause like there's, I, and I know yours was not short for anything, right? It's not short for anything. Yeah. Like, cause Donatella, you would think maybe uh, in Italy or in Italian American families, it may, it might still be prevalent, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Oh, and one other thing. Um, it's the name Donald actually came from Donna, not the other way around. And we've never had any problem with people named Donald. None. No. None. I'm not a proud of the association. (laughs) I wouldn't be. Yeah. All right. So, Mac, you have our quote. Yep. Uh, 
from Gwen. Jesus, what the fuck? Honestly, what the fuck? And I'm paraphrasing because IMDb, that font of useful information, doesn't quite have their quote page on this film as, <laughs> as stocked up as I could. I jotted it down on my Galaxy Note 20, the official cell phone for movie critics everywhere, uh, as quickly as I could, and I couldn't quite get the whole thing. I think yeah, that's it. Like a, because I know there was a part that I was missing, and I think you've got the part that I was missing on it. But yeah, yeah, Gwen's quotes honestly were Gwen was fantastic. Yeah, I argued for the quote by the grabber saying he was an idiot, but he was my idiot right after he sunk his axe into his brother's head. I meant to discuss the brother, and then despite copious opportunities to bring stuff up before we got to the end neglected to but the brother was pretty great the brother was great and yeah and just all his cocaine that's really all you need to know about the brother and 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 a really great oblique critique of true crime aficionados that you know like oh i'm gonna figure the case out like dude check the basement man (laughs) i mean he did he did figure it out eventually Mm-hmm. eventually but he he spent a lot more time on it than he needed to mm-hmm. <laughs> and mac you have our rule yes uh never trust the guy who's buying up multiple houses in the same neighborhood uh that's more a rule for the cops than for the kids i think donna when we were discussing it pointed out that uh, the kids wouldn't be keyed into that but uh the cops would have had that information going in and been like why? Why do you have two houses, two shitty houses in the same shitty neighborhood? That that ain't right. Come down, come to the station with us. I need like I've got 15 other questions and you're going to fuck up one of them and we're going to find you for something. But no, <laughs> it's not even two adjacent houses like, oh, I'm going to buy both the lots, tear down both houses and build a bigger house. They're across the street. That that that's a psychopathy in and of itself. Like, I don't even know if you're killing kids, but there, we need to get you off the streets if that's what you're doing. <laughs> oh, not to mention, you're going to start getting into the Denver real estate market, which is just going to skyrocket. So, yeah. you know, in, in a few short years. So you have, you have that as well. <laughs> and Mac is, has our hat trick this week. So what is our poll? What are we talking about at, at the end? Was Finn imagining or has slash tripping balls the voices on the phone or were there real ghosts in them thar black phone? I have the answer, which is both kids have the shining. Yes. Both kids I would, have the shining. I'd go with that. Uh, Gwen oh. perhaps has it stronger, but Finn has it too. Um, one of the ghosts at some point says that Finn was the only one to answer the phone. Or Finn was the only one able to hear them. I don't remember yeah. what the exact comment was, but Finn has the shining. Finn is able to hear them. And that's why um, Finn uh, answered the phone and Finn heard them and talked with them. I agree. Is Finn shining latent enough that he had to be drugged by the grabber for, to it, for it to activate because he never had it before the basement? I'm going to make the argument Finn shining is not being around his dad. Because his dad was so mm-hmm. obsessed with Gwen not acting like their mom. So if Finn felt anything, he just kind of repressed it. And I think being even that little bit of time away from his dad and it's it's fight or flight, like you've got to survive. I think almost, almost X-Men, like X-Gene kind of kicking in as well. Like this is a traumatic event, so this is going to unlock your ability so to speak so i think it's i think it's that i think it's the trauma and being away from dad because whoo as we talked about dad (laughs) i think uh i think yeah the uh the fight or flight um is what brought it into activity either that or it's just weak enough that it never came into play before and we've seen that with other short stories that it's you sometimes abilities are just this just for this moment and they don't show up again and i could with finn i could see that being the case but yes i am also team the ghosts were there they helped him escape because the intricacy of that escape i don't think i don't think a child could come up with that like hey this particular great 
is loose. Start digging, flush it down, keep digging. Hey, I did a cord here, you know, pulled the cord to pull the grate down to put in the hole, cover that hole up, um, unscrew the back of the freezer to get meat that's going to start dethawing to give to the dog. This is what I loved about, I think, I think if the first ghost had said, okay, listen, here's what you got to do. You got to get that cord. You got to get that grate. You got to unscrew the back of the refrigerator. You got to dig this hole. You got I think if the first ghost had said, you've got to do all this work and it's going to take you days and you've got to, you, you know, you're going to be tired. You're going to be sore. I think if the first ghost had said that Finn would have been like, no, there's no way I can't do all that. So I think by each, each ghost saying you can escape this way, they gave Finn the motivation to do it. And, but I think if the first ghost had said, you're going to take days and you're going to work this hard and you're going to get all this stuff, I, I don't know that he would have had the motivation to do it. So I think, I think the way the ghosts presented the information to him gave him the motivation to do what he needed to do. Well, even the one that seemingly that had the combination that didn't, that you didn't at first think helped him playing naughty boy, nice boy. It, it did because that, you know, that kind of spurred things along to where that they were going to get their justice and their peace at the same time. Yep. And I think, I, I, yeah, I think you're, you're right, Donna. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been overwhelming. Even as an adult, <laughs> I think it, it's, it sounds overwhelming. Just like, oh man, this is what I got to do. Oh, but I want to survive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, just the pieces like, because at first I was like, that's kind of a dick move. Uh, getting him to play naughty boy, nice boy. Which that may be my only complaint is not a lot of explanation on that game. And I don't remember in the short story if there is of what that entails. I did love that moment when he goes, the door is still unlocked. And <laughs> I don't know, I had forgotten the door was still unlocked. So, so that door had been unlocked that whole time. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. All right. Mac, are you team ghost or team... I think after this discussion, I'm probably a team ghost with shining power. Yeah. Do we have anything else? I am curious. Um, Mac had said at the beginning that, um, that maybe this discussion would help solidify his opinion of the movie. So I'm curious. Oh, yeah. If it did. Uh, yeah, I think I'm still neutral-ish on it, leaning toward positive. There's a lot to like in the movie, but it involves a conversation like this to kind of sort out what happened at certain points. So it feels maybe a little messier around the edges than I would have liked. So flawed, but a good time. That's fair. I think that's a fair yeah. assessment. I'm going to go first this week on Happy Place. And I kind of told Mac off mic that mine, it's going to sound a little odd, but those who know me, I'm, I'm an odd bird and I'm okay with that. Uh, but my Happy Place is that I didn't make it to Fathom Events and see the 40th anniversary screening of the thing because it was a fucking disaster. <laughs> and yeah, they basically showed a very crappy version on that first night of it. And then they were supposed to show it again on Wednesday. And right before it was supposed to start, the theater people come in and goes, oh yeah, this is canceled. We're not doing it. Oh. So I don't feel bad that I missed it. And today I'm going to watch a nice, beautiful 4K version in the comfort of my home. So that is my happy place. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Because uh, Mick Garris got real upset about the the Monday night uh, uh, version of it. And Fathom, because it, it, it blew up and went viral. And Fathom was like, okay, we're going to fix it for Wednesday. And they didn't. And see, I was at first, because I completely missed that they were doing it like I had heard but I had forgotten so and so Billy's like hey did you know they were doing this and I was like shit you know and I was all just like crap I missed it and then he starts telling me with Mick Garris and John Carpenter and the Fathom and I'm like okay no I'm good I'm glad I'd missed it because I'd have been pissed so yeah yeah, that's yeah. I might watch my blu-ray of it uh today too i i don't have a 4k yet but yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, well i i it was an anniversary present so that is now why i have a 4k of it so and technically it is it happened yesterday was the official 40th anniversary so you're still in that that literally sweet spot window so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 
Donnie, you want to go next or you want me to go next? Um, I could go. Uh, my happy okay. place is not my dentist, who is out of town for a couple of weeks and cannot fix my problem for a couple of weeks. So I'm living on ibuprofen for a couple of weeks. Um, but no, my happy place is the uh, IT department at my college, because after I broke my course website, um, the IT department just came in and said, oh, here's your problem. And not only did they fix my problem, they fixed a problem that has been plaguing me for about six months, which it turns out was my own fault, but I would never in a million years have figured it out. So yay, I love you, IT. And they complimented my gaming chair while we were at it. So I love you, TCC's IT department. My happy place, I was actually going to see the movie. I mean, I know I was... Uh, definitely fence sitting on on my assessment of the movie itself but uh i ducked out of work a little bit early i went to eaton square which is a theater of the 90s perfectly preserved in amber and uh they give you a little little cup of pop, uh, popcorn salt with your popcorn if you want it so you can salt your popcorn to your delight as the movie is going forward uh which is and i i hadn't been back there since pre-covid the last movie i saw there was uh, bad boys for life and it was uh, that was a delight. I even and you know my lifestyle is a little different now, so I even had a diet Pepsi with that, and and it was okay. I yeah, I don't I don't care for it, but the popcorn was good. <laughs> all right. Well, we are on all the social media. You can find us at Twitter at Beyond Cabin, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods our Facebook page, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. I am on Instagram and Twitter at uh, at Callista seventy seven. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Dragon Goblin. There's no I in Goblin. I still want that as a T-shirt. There's no I in Goblin. Uh, you can find me at, on Twitter at Party Apocalypse. There's technically a uh, Instagram that's associated with me, but there ain't nothing there. You don't need to see that. Uh, the my website partyapocalypse.com has my books, blogs, uh, movie reviews, uh, other podcasts I'm on, including this one. Uh, and okay. yeah, that's it. You can't find me anywhere else, mom. <laughs> <laughs> As always, thank you to our editor, Billy. We do appreciate everything that you do for us and uh, making us sound awesome. And thank everyone for listening. Uh, we love you. Yes, we do. You are precious in our sight. <laughs> and we love Billy. Also, don't read the Latin. Fine. I mean, you can just, you can say it. I it felt <laughs> like Kenzie was going to stop the recording, and I and I needed to to clutch it. You may please say it. I just no, wanted to make uh, sure I no no. Okay, I read to. the Latin then. Say if I care. <laughs> <laughs> you know what horror is. <laughs>